Welcome to the Farming Matters Conference brought to you by Land to Market Australia, the co-op that verifies on-farm ecological improvement. I'm Rebecca Gorman, a member of the co-op and conference MC. The conference had a really great collaborative energy and brought together farmers, business leaders and academics to discuss the benefits of regenerative agriculture and its potential to provide solutions to global challenges. The four sessions explored a wide range of topics, which we hope provide fuel for your farming journey. George is a seventh generation farmer, fifth on the Cooming Park farm, the family farm. One of the Bruce Ward students. He looks about 16, but he's been farming in HM since about 1996, so I guess that makes him a little bit older than that. He's streamlined his operation so well now that he's had time to dream and scheme on other ideas, including a very appropriate for this conference, an app to help farmers connect. George King. Thank you. I'll just go through our journey on holistic management first. Our property is Cooming Park at Karkor. It was settled in 1826 as an original land grant. Our family bought it from the original settler in 1880 as part of the Common Co coaching business we owned at that time. My grandfather managed the business for 50 years up until his death. And in 1997, I, late 96, I took over as manager of the business. Uh, it was a 30,000 DSC business, which was a pretty exciting thing to be taking over. Uh, I got there and realised it was only running 15,000 DSCs. Uh, the infrastructure was pretty well shot. It had um, silted up dams, falling down fences, poor genetics, poor pastures. I'd just completed a Marcus Oldham course, so it was all reasonably fixable problems. I knew that you could, I could throw money at and fix it. I'd been there about four months and we got a call to come down and see the bank in Sydney, which I thought was pretty good. We must have been a good client for them to want to see us. <laughs> and I was looking forward to telling about all my great plans. We got, a, got the, drove down the car, got in the elevator, went up to the 17th level, sat down with him and he said, you've made your 10th loss in a, low, in a row. Your last loss was 4% of your equity. We're selling you up. That's it. It's finished. So we left that meeting. I got in the car and drove back past Carcor, out to Dubbo, because the Elders Rural Bank was doing, Elders Rural was doing banking, and saw the bank manager there and said, we need a, we need a bit of time and we'll we need an opportunity to fix this, and I'm going to fix it. I didn't know how I was going to fix it, but I just said I would. So we, um, we got solicitors to seize the deeds from the, the First Bank, and we um, refinanced to elders. Looked back at the Marcus course and tried to work out where they talked about farming or running a business with no capital and couldn't find it anywhere. The one thing I could remember from Marcus was a mate that was reading Alan Savory's book at the time and he kept on coming up with pages and paragraphs out of it about how you can use your stock to fix the land, um, how you can reduce your cost of production, how you can increase productivity. So I decided that was the way to go. We had a neighbour that was friends with Dick and Judy Richardson and we got Dick to come over one afternoon and in a two hour we did an emergency grazing plan. So I put, after Dick left, we put all the sheep in one big mob, all the neighbours thought we were just doing it to knock down the rest of the fences. So we had, we had 5,000 ewes in a mob. And Dick said, you better go and see Bruce and Susie Ward or you'll have a huge crash. And I thought we were already having enough crashes, so I thought we'd better go and do it. For the people that have done the holistic management course, the three sections of it, the goal, the environmental side and the economics, it was just so enlightening and it opened up such an opportunity to see a way forward. We 
did the course, went home after the course, I told the three employees we could no longer afford them, so they all had to leave. I bought a post driver and some electric fence gear and started single wire electric fencing. We um, put up about 120 kilometres of electric fencing over the next few years. All the spare money we had went into developing water. That was all we spent money on was fencing and water. Didn't do anything else. The sheep, merino sheep got Yoni's disease about this time, which is a disease that causes merinos to die faster than normal merinos, which is quite <laughs> amazing. <laughs> believe it was possible. So we changed from a sheep operation to a cattle trading operation. We had enough equity once we sold the sheep to buy. We sold 5,000 sheep and bought about 280 cows. And then I was trading cattle as well. So I'd drive from as far as Roma, Longreach, Narracourt in the south, and just buying cattle, fattening them and selling them. So we kept afloat for years and years doing that. In 2006, we sailed into a succession storm. Not sure what started it. It was um, precipitated by a drought. Everyone watching an inconvenient truth and thinking it was never going to rain again. Lindy and I had just started an off-farm business in town, a, a medical centre, and the family wanted the farm sold and um, wouldn't budge from that position. Uh, Lynn Sykes, if she's still here, I can't remember the exact words of her advice, but it was along the lines of your life's going to be ruined after she'd done a couple of sessions with us. <laughs> we went into the succession storm with about 85% equity in two properties and came out of it two years later with one property in 50% equity. The whole business felt like a, a damn wall was going to break and we were just trying to hold it. If it had broken, everything was going to go. For the last, it lasted two years, that, for the last year we ran the whole business on my personal bank account, I had because the bank account got frozen too, I had a loan account, so I was, which was unpaid wages, so I was taking, selling cattle, putting them into my personal account and paying bills through my personal bank account. I rang up the old bank manager who'd left Elders at that stage and moved across to NAB and asked him how his nerves are going, do you reckon to have another go at us? And he agreed. So he took us on as a client again, so we refinanced across to NAB. Unfortunately, the credit and risk department didn't share our enthusiasm <laughs> and started us on a, on a four sales program. So we, the, the main property is in four titles. So they said the southern title, you've got to sell that because you can't operate with 50% equity with that debt loading and we had no more expenses to cut. We had nowhere else to go. We ran into a bit of luck. We had rising cattle prices and low interest rates. So in 2011, I was overcome by optimism and went back to the bank and said, can we buy back the property you made us sell three years ago? And they agreed, so we bought that back. For us, holistic management's provided with us with cost control, time control, we're just so unbusy, and we've got so much spare time, and we reckon about 30% more grass. We're growing about 30% more grass than we would do doing conventionally. But above and beyond all that, one of the most important things is the goal. The goal keeps you going. When everything's going wrong, you keep focused and you keep moving where you're going to. So that's probably been the most powerful thing for us. About eight years ago, we were talking about the problems with the industry and, and our pain points and things that are frustrating. We, we formed a little group of farmers to look at fixing it. So we, um, we thought our success as farmers and all of our success and the, and the benefit we're going to get from Regen Ag is going to be mainly through our connection and education with consumers and our education of each other. So we started developing an app which is built on a social media platform so it's um, just for farmers, so it's got full social media functionality, same as you'd find on Facebook, and a full trading platform too. One of our pain points is the, the cost of selling, and if you don't use a registered agent, you've got no guarantee of payment, or even going to bigger feedlots, you've got no guarantee of payment. So we've, we started developing that. We've got a short video we can, we can show you. 
so that's there's, there's probably a big pain point. So we've, the, the app's designed to, it's no cost to use, micro payments on costs of sales and um, guaranteed payments. Thank you. Let me introduce you to Peter and Bundle Lawson, who I have the pleasure of sharing a fence line with. We never do fence line comparison photos, though, because that just wouldn't be very good. <laughs> Between them, they run their two family farms. So they're caring for a lot of family history on Gundilawar in the Mandalo Valley and Trawalla at Bookbook. They've been using the principles of holistic management since 2008 to move towards their goal of high quality, healthy food and fibre in a sustainable, profitable manner while regenerating and improving their resource base. And they do that with their growing family and they have a lot of fun while they're at it. So, Peter, thank you. Thanks, Beck. Our journey really started in 1992 or 93 uh, when my father attended a grazing for profit school with Stan Parsons and Terry McCosker. The reason Dad did the course was because when he and Mum brought our 2,800-acre property, Trawalla, in 1975, over one-third of the property was a single 1,000-acre paddock of weather country. It had been run like it was weather country for about 50-odd years, at a guess, so it looked like weather country. Their predecessor had told them that the paddock used to run 1,200 weathers set-stocked, but by the time Mum and Dad took over, it could only support 1,000 head. Within a few years, it had been split into two paddocks, but was down to running about 800 plus a family of about 12 kangaroos, and mum and dad could see where things were heading. The landscape function of this paddock was what you might call a renovator's delight. It was bare, hard, with sparse populations of low succession plants, mostly wiregrass and lichen, that were all sitting up on pedestals of capped soil. The erosion gullies were deep, active and fast. With the problems and issues so evident, mum and dad were naturally keen to explore a few options as to how they might reverse the trend. So in 92 or 3, uh, Dad took himself off to do the GFP school, having seen it advertised at a local field day. When he came back and talked, talked us through what he had learnt so far, it just immediately sat well with me. It seemed to make sense despite some real paradigm shifts in thinking being required. He set up a trial cell of about 200 acres with a six trough watering system, 14, 15 paddocks, with gravity fed water from a dam. Neighbours thought he had lost it completely. In 1995, when I'd finished Ag College, I did the Holistic Management course, just as a point of reference, really, with Mark Gardner and Brian Marshall. And we started gradually changing a few more things at home. At the same time, we started working through our family succession. In 1998, I took over the management of Trawalla and, like a bull at a gate, started fencing madly. I made some really bad mistakes and seemed to make minimal to moderate positive progress in the landscape. In my helter-skelter approach, I boxed everything, didn't do enough planning, certainly didn't do enough monitoring, and failed to acknowledge that in many cases, the water points were not up to coping with the larger mob sizes. But the basic principles of holistic management still sat very well with me, despite the fact that to many local farmers, I had well and truly proven, beyond doubt, that holistic management, cell grazing, did not work. <laughs> and I felt it. This bred a lot of self-doubt, and making effective decisions became a more difficult task. Looking back now, I'm sure that the decisions were not all wrong, but the execution was where I think I let myself down. Bundle and I got married, thank goodness, in 19, no, 2004, and continued to blunder our way through the next few years of the millennial drought. 
and like a lot of others, we were wondering how we were going to get out of this. At the time, we were thinking we were managing holistically, but in reality, we were still hedging our bets with a mix of conventional, for want of a better word, and holistic practices, but decided that we weren't really doing either very well. The bank was seemingly in touch with us way too often, and we were going nowhere from a business or ecological point of view, and we weren't really enjoying ourselves. So after some soul-searching conversations about whether we sell up and start again, or seriously change what we were doing, we opted for the latter. The regener regenerative ag, which I don't even think was a word or a phrase then, still sat very well with both of us. So we decided to redo the HM course together. And we did that in 2008 with Bruce and Susie. Bundle had previously done the course earlier as well. Having redone the course, we came home. We were still in drought, still running a lot of temporary fence tape, but immediately started enjoying what we were doing. And more importantly, why we were doing it. So we ran even more tape. We created our joint goals, and had barely, which had barely changed from when, when we had both done our respective HM courses some years ago. And we were back farming for a purpose and with intent. We were back in charge of our decision making and able to listen to advice but make up our own minds whether we implemented it or not, rather than getting advice and feeling we should take it just because. In about 2009, I had the opportunity to sit next to Alan Savory at a conference dinner. And I asked him if there was one thing about holistic management that was most important. I think I was probably hoping he would say the most important thing was something to do with grazing management, recovery periods, animal density, or how many paddocks I needed, the things that interested me. In other words, I think I was looking for a silver bullet. Alan's reply was thoughtful, as you can imagine. He said, the most important thing is to be clear with your goals, because then, even by default, you will tend that way. We couldn't agree more and know that the more we revisit our goals and the clearer they are, the easier the decision-making is. I'm also sure that it was these goals tucked away deeply in our conscious from our earlier courses that kept dragging us back to where we are now. From then on, every decision we made was tested to make sure it would take us towards what we were trying to achieve. Slowly but surely, we are getting there. We are also very conscious of trying, albeit not always successfully, to find the root cause of a problem and address that rather than the symptoms. In the past decade, we've been through family succession with Bundle's family and have taken over her family property, Gundilawar, which has been in the family for over 165 years. We've been very fortunate to have had two very good experiences with succession, for which we are very grateful. That is not to say that it wasn't at times difficult, frustrating or emotional for everyone involved, but in both instances we were able to address issues as they arose and discuss them until we had an outcome that people were willing to accept. We're very appreciative of the opportunities we've had, but it does put a bit of pressure on us to do the same thing when it's our turn with the next generation. The opportunity for us to take on Gundilla War was supported by the holistic management's clear decision-making process. We were able to take each step as, as it came and tested it against our goals. And when we needed more information to make a decision to progress the discussions, then we sought it, knowing that getting it right now would ultimately help lead us towards what we have wanted to achieve in the future. Our approach to managing holistically has been far more planned and measured at Gundilawar. We started by spending a bit of time working out our livestock water requirements and then implemented a reticulated watering system to match. This took several years to construct and get right and required some refencing along the way, but it has enabled us to now start to subdivide more paddocks and keep improving our grazing. The other very important factor in our journey has been the support groups we've been involved with. Finding a group of like-minded people 
to have very open discussions with has been invaluable to us. It has also helped us stay focused on what we are trying to achieve and reduce the noise of what everyone else thinks you should be doing. And what of that original 1,000-acre paddock at Trawalla that was down to carrying only 800 weathers? Well, it's still very light country, still very eroded, but it is now 19 paddocks with a great coverage of increasingly diverse grasses and plant species. While it still has a long way to go, including more subdivisions, generally it's more than doubled the carrying capacity as well as two to 300 kangaroos, although the latter were not by design. Last spring and summer, that area provided the best wildflower display we've seen in the 46 years we've been there. And I have no doubt that a large part of this occurrence was because of how we were managing it, not despite it. We love watching the plant succession process do its thing and still get a great feeling every time we see a grass or a forb that we haven't seen or noticed before, even if we don't know what it is purely because we know we have helped create an environment that has allowed it to grow. Thank you. Now to Tony Hill. This mild-mannered gentleman from Braidwood has taken all his many years in policy making and applied it to his first love of ecology. He is the founder of Land to Market Australia and its ecological outcome verification process. He and his organising committee created this conference and held it together for more than a year to deliver it, all the while, while he was running land to market and delivering the monitoring, organising the monitoring for EOV and doing the reports and so forth. Tony retired some years ago, but I suspect he's never worked as hard in his life. And it is my pleasure to both welcome him to give a wrap up of the day and congratulate him on both his determination in driving land to market and getting this conference here. Thank you. Well, uh, I guess you're probably thinking that this is the conference you weren't meant to have and uh, you're all here and you're still here at the end of the day. Just a sh quick show of hands, whose brain is hurting right now? <laughs> and uh, here am I at the end of the day, uh, hopefully giving you some guidance, but uh, let me just let you into a secret that that effect on your brain is intentional. That is what we meant to happen from this conference, to give you a taste of some of the things that are available and some of the things that are out there in the field of regenerative agriculture. But there's plenty of stuff out there and we've only touched the surface today, you know that. And we hope that the things that you have been given today will excite your interest, excite your imagination to go out and explore further. But what is this thing, regenerative agriculture? And here comes the challenge. That thing is currently sitting out there in mid-space. It's not owned by any particular area or group or interest. In fact, there's been a couple of attempts already to own it and they've not been successful. Here's one example. There you go, that's General Mills. Anybody know how big General Mills is? Somebody? Huge. Huge, US. And there's their website with the label Regenerative Agriculture. And this is what they think regenerative agriculture adds up to. Understanding context, not bad stuff. Minimising soil disturbance, maximising crop diversity, 
keep the soil covered, maintain year-round living root, integrating livestock. You know, pretty good stuff, pretty good stuff. Can anybody notice the theme that's going through those circles there? What is the theme? They're all practices, right? They don't necessarily produce things. And I like Chris's description. It depends. They might be regenerative in certain contexts, if done in the right way. Good news about General Mills, though, is that they're switched on and they bought into some brand activations. And I'll highlight the bits for you. There you go, Savory Institute, land to market program, yay, go on the right road. But that is only one section of their version of regenerative agriculture, and that's only one example of a number of businesses that I'm talking to on a regular basis who are starting to get interested, looking for an angle, and the challenge here is what I asked Louisa about, that we're moving this environmental consciousness from that caring world of volunteer and philanthropy activity out there into the marketplace. And as we do so, the pressures are going to come on. It's a very serious game we're playing because we've got these problems. And I quipped that this conference was subject to drought, fires, pestilence, floods, and I'm wondering what comes next. But there are a huge number of really big, high-stakes problems on our hands and regenerative agriculture is right at the core of that discussion. Here's one that's even worse. Alan sent this to me. He said, you might find this useful, Tony. Thank you, Alan. 19 ecosystems already collapsing in Australia. What happens if we get our ecosystems collapsing? There's a strong risk that we don't survive. The planet will look after itself, but that's pretty reputable stuff. It was in the compensation, 26th of February. You know, all those universities, Wollongong, Deakin, Macquarie, Exeter, International. That's a serious situation. So the stakes are high in this challenge. There are those global challenges again. You know, I've only listed five there. They are all failures. And when I originally wrote this, they are failures of ecosystems. They're not failures of ecosystems. They're failures in ecosystems. And why are there failures in ecosystems? If you haven't got that message already today, it's due to our management. We need to work with nature to correct these imbalances. So what are we doing here? What is the difference? We're getting into terminology now, and this is a crucial terminology change. So many people, up until this point, have been talking about that word sustainable. Sustainable means we can go into the future. Hopefully things won't get worse. If I can go back a slide, are they getting worse? So sustainable isn't what we want. What we want is what this diagram from the Savory Institute shows us. Regenerative says things are getting better. We need to improve stuff. We need to move forward. So how do we know if farming is truly regenerative. How do we work that out? Well, we could go back to our practice catalogues and say we're doing the right stuff and we're just hoping for the best, or we could actually go out and verify it ourselves. This is not about certification. It's not about another accreditation. It's not about auditing. All of those scary words that farmers hate, right? 
It is about verification. So what we've done is to introduce the ecological outcome verification process into Australia, and then we've built on the top of that robust measurement a branding exercise that takes that out into the marketplace so that businesses and consumers can make their choices and when they feel impotent about those huge global problems, they know they can do something. They can choose to spend their money a little differently. I encourage everybody who's committed to this journey to commit themselves to that. We're not excluding anybody. We're not replacing anything. We're adding something to the mix that will give us all assurance that we can be regenerative. Thank you. The Farming Matters Conference was brought to you by Land to Market Australia and our Ecological Outcome Verification. Through this verification, we help farmers both improve their land and link them through to consumers. You can join the process easily by going to the Land to Market Australia website. Thanks to all our conference sponsors and speakers, links to their details are provided in the episode show notes. To listen to other conference sessions, make sure to subscribe and to see videos of these podcasts, visit the Land to Market YouTube channel. For more information about upcoming events, check out our Facebook or webpage, landtomarket.com.au. I'm Rebecca Gorman. Thanks for listening.